Coming to you from New York City, it's the Friars Club Podcast. Established in 1904, the Friars Club is the birthplace of the celebrity roast and has counted the likes of Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Fallon, Billy Crystal, Barbara Streisand, and Johnny Carson among its members. So come on in for a drink and some laughs with your host, Joe Sibilia. Hello and welcome to the Friars Club Podcast. This is your host, Joe Sibilia, and today I am talking with an entertainment icon. He's a comedian, he's an actor. He's currently starring on the CBS sitcom The Neighborhood, which airs Mondays at 8, 7 central, and is available for streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And his name is Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric, how are you? It's a pleasure to talk to you today. What up, Joe? What's going on, man? Nothing much. It's an honor to talk to somebody who I've admired really my entire life, and especially to be talking to you for the Friars Club. I should start out by asking you how you first became involved with the Friars Club. Was it through the Hugh Hefner roast back in 2001? Yeah, that's how I first kind of got involved. It goes it goes back to there. I think maybe, maybe a little bit before that, I was asked to be a part of a book or something like that, but, but my biggest real memory was going... New York to do the uh, roast of Hugh Hefner. So now, how do you find out that you are going to uh, roast Hugh Hefner? Uh, Does the Friars call you? They say, we want you. Do they go through their agent? Do you get a call from Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster General? How does this go when you're going to participate in a roast? Yeah, that that came through my agents, man. I think it came from, uh, you know, CAA at the time. Uh, You know, you get this call, they ask you, do you want to do it? Uh, of course, me being a young comedian, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of Playboy bunnies there. So, you know, I just said yes without even thinking about it. Like, yo, it's you. It's going to be a bunch of Playboy bunnies. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> you had a funny bit during the roast where you were wearing pajamas under your tuxedo. Walk me through, if you would, exactly what the procedure is for preparing for a roast. And then also, how much in advance are you arriving for the roast? Are you there a day in advance, a couple days? Are you having dinner with the different uh, comedians on the dais, people like Rob Schneider and Adam Carolla, Drew Carey, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, of course, was the roast master. Uh, is there time to mingle and socialize? And uh, and what is uh, sort of going on leading up to the actual roast? Yeah, no, it's usually a good time. Like, you fly in the day before. Uh, there is, you know, like, we're all usually at the same hotel unless you're like big time, like Jimmy Kimmel, where he probably stayed at the Ritz. We were at probably the W or something. <laughs> I don't know. So, 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 but, but in general, there is like most of the stuff kind of happened afterwards. There was like a pre, pre-party kind of gathering. You kind of see, uh, you know, what all the other comedians kind of got it planned. Maybe people don't really tell you their sets, but you know, you kind of know that people. Some people. You don't. You do see people who who know you know half a little better, and so you kind of see their interaction, and you kind of have this expectation that you know they'll do a lot better at the roast. So, you know, that was one thing that wasn't really my kind of brand of humor is to roast people. So you know, I had to try to figure out like what I wanted to say, and at the same time, uh, felt like I was being invited into this you know kind of Hollywood insider crew. So you don't know how far you you're supposed to go. And so, you know, it was good. I think I, you know, I just met Jeff Ross. Um, uh, so, you know, of course, he's the, the consummate Rose master and, you know, the, the, the litmus of the whole thing. And uh, 
But even then, just meeting him, you don't know exactly how far he's going to take it and where he's going to go with it. So you don't know this until the night of. So that was the big thing. But afterwards, you know, there's a party and a celebration. We all kind of went out. F was there. The girls were there. Uh, you know, all the just Rob Snyder, you know, we all went to a nightclub and hung out and, you know, did the New York thing, party into the night. And what a night that was. Uh, and this roast is a particularly historical uh, in the lineage of the Friars roast because this took place, I don't even think, maybe two weeks after the uh, the horrific events of September 11th, 2001. And uh, the late Gilbert Gottfried infamously made a 9-11 joke. It was probably the first one ever told up to that point publicly. Uh, and, you know, kind of got a very, you know, angry reaction from the crowd. But somehow, through the magic of Gilbert, was able to win them back by telling the aristocrats in his own inimitable way. Uh, do you remember that moment when he told that joke and how he recovered from it? And what was the feeling amongst yourself and the other people who were on the dais at that roast? You know, this thing about it, because when you're up there, you're in the middle of it, of course, you know, it was this just overall this kind of weird feeling in New York about, you know, should we even be doing it at all, you know, after 9-11. So you got that in the first place, right? Are you going to just go through this event when the city's already kind of like dealing with this crazy thing? And then, and then you know, uh, you know, the, the, the energy of the roast is that you do – you are daring. You are taking shots. You are over the top. So for the comedians, you know, when Gilbert did his thing, it was actually one of those moments like, oh, you didn't go there, did you? You know, more more in a, you know, favorable, hey, you know, you, you ripped it. You tried to go for it. You went for one that was over the line. And it was like, you know, kind of admired in, in, the, in the energy. But when the crowd reacted, then, you know, it was more like, oh, shit. So, but, you know, Gilbert, is he was like, you know, a lovable kind of personality. And so, and, you know, an OG comedian that just wasn't going to have it. And, and he just kept fighting through. And so, he you know, he won the audience back. But it was one of those moments where I don't think, like, the comedians looked at it as a bad thing at first until the audience reacted to it. Then we were like, oh, shit, this could be trouble. The thing that always amazed me about Gilbert in the, the couple of occasions where I got to speak with him or meet him is just how quiet he was and how mild-mannered he was. That you almost don't expect that voice and uh, some of the things that he would say <laughs> to come out of his mouth. Uh, but uh, but that was the magic of Gilbert Gottfried, and I assume you, you must feel the same way in, uh, I, I guess, getting to know Gilbert a little bit through the years. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the real key, which, which, which gave him a lot of... Uh deference and leeway with the audience that people would be quite surprised because he was this kind of, you know, uh, character too that he played, you know, where he, where he was just kind of, you know, like the, 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 you know, the low guy, lowly guy kind of just chilling and, you know, and, and you're right in general, he's very quiet and kind of laid back. And then, so when he says these shocking things, they're you know they're actually accepted because they feel like a guy who's like finally letting letting it out, and you're like, okay, get it out, man, and and that's what makes it really funny. Now you mentioned that after this particular roast, you went out, you hit the town in New York. Did you happen to go back uh, to the uh, Friars Monastery by any chance and uh, party there a little bit at the clubhouse? Yeah. yeah, we did. I think we did go there for a minute. Yeah, 
and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of, you know, formal, uh, you know, environment there, and it was cool, you know, like, but I think for that, for me that night, you know, I was, I kind of recall, like, not being completely happy with my set, like, I was, like, I was, I did good, but I didn't, it didn't end the way that I thought I would, so I remember not, like, really, like, enjoying all the, the, the immediate moments after the show until we like went out and just kind of like let our hair down and partied a little bit more. So that's kind of my basic memory about that. You know how comedy is. Now, was there a little bit of discomfort maybe with the fact that this was one of the first Friars roasts that was televised on Comedy Central? Now, of course, Comedy Central televises so many of these roasts uh, over the years, uh, but this was really one of the first ones out of the gate. Uh, was there a little bit of uneasiness maybe uh, on your part and among some of the other performers who uh, spoke that night? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. Like you say, we're in New York at a very weird time. The streets were quiet. Uh, the city was quiet. It was not the atypical vibey New York energy that you have. Uh, you know, there was, you know, some doubt, should we be doing this thing at all? Uh, you know, it was the fact that I, you know, I'm not really a roast kind of comedian. You know, I'm not like me mean spirited in my, in my kind of attack or way. So, you know, like I said, I thought I had good jokes, but again, it was like the expectation that, you know, they should be a lot sharper, a lot edgier, and so, you know, like, when you kind of get through that and you see people actually good at it, you know, they doing their thing, then you realize, like, uh, you know, uh, all right, you know, all right, that's kind of what they want, right? And so, but, you know, you can't, you don't get a chance to go and, you don't get a do-over in comedy, especially when it's on television, so you just have to do what it is. So it was one of those things that I felt like, ah, it was okay, right? It was okay, good night, wasn't bad. I didn't, you know, I wasn't the worst guy up there, that's for sure. So you go, <laughs> like, well, at least I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't the last guy. I know, and if everybody's going to get a trophy, then we're fine. I'm good. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, you, you are a very hip guy, but at the same time, in a lot of respects, you're sort of an old-fashioned kind of performer in that you do a little bit of everything. You're funny, you dance, you sing, yeah. you act. Uh, did you sort of admire uh, that older generation of performers growing up, and were you sort of aware of uh, some of the lineage and the history uh, that there was behind the Friars Club uh, as a young performer uh, coming up at the comedy clubs? You know, uh, just a little bit, but definitely, you know, Gleason was my guy, you know, from when I was a little kid. My grandmother loved Jackie Gleason. So, you know, just as far as like an overall kind of entertainer, performer type type of personality. And then, of course, that made me love, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Red Foxes of the world and, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, the, even the Johnny Carsons, guys that did things like they, they host, but they were comical. They did another job, but they were funny. You know, they didn't, they didn't necessarily, like, walk up just as stand-ups and were still able to kind of deliver you, deliver you comedy and then deliver you this elegance, this other kind of thing, right, that you enjoyed to watch. And so, you know, those became the, the people that I really enjoy. Now, again, the idea of kind of, uh, how they related to the Flyers Club, well, it became a lot later for me once I kind of, you know, like understood, you know, what that kind of inclusion was all about. But I didn't, you know, at, at that, when I was coming up, uh, that was not necessarily like this goal, right? I came out of the Midwest, 
And so you were just trying to get on TV. That was it. Like, you know, like being included in the in the comedian in crowd was totally different. You just wanted to, wanted to get on television. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Johnny Carson, who was a major hero of mine, and uh, he, uh, you're totally on point with what you said about him. He was a guy who came out of broadcasting. It didn't really work the comedy clubs. There really were no comedy clubs uh, to work, really, in the 40s and the 50s in the sense that they had them much later in the 70s and 80s and the 90s. And he was sort of a funny broadcaster, which is something you really don't see anymore. Uh, so I, I think that's that's interesting that you bring that up. And, uh, of course, you, much like Johnny Carson and uh, so many other famous friars, uh, Jan Murray, Jackie Gleason, of course, hosted uh, You're in the Picture. You hosted a game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, how did that opportunity come about for you? And what advice would you give uh, to any aspiring game show hosts out there who might be listening to this? Uh, you know, for me, it came. I was actually developing a lot of shows with ABC at the time. I had been developing some pilot ideas, and things hadn't quite worked. And then uh, this opportunity, where uh, one of the execs just thought I'd be a great game show host, and so the opportunity to come and host uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire right after Meredith. Uh, was, uh, you know, just a great opportunity and one that was really fun to do. My main thing is when you, what I would tell anybody that's aspiring to be a game show host is, is, you know, you can't, you don't really know, you, you don't get, you don't know the game as much as you think you do until you start hosting the game. <laughs> so a lot of times it's this idea that you think that you can just do it blindly. And so, you know, I think that was the biggest thing is to learn to go up there, have fun, and enjoy the game almost like a, a, a participant, like someone playing the game. And that's when you'll have a lot more fun being the host because you 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 take on a childlike kind of attitude even though you will be afforded the answers a little earlier than everybody else but if you're playing along if you're there like just enjoying it like everybody else is when uh i think that people see the joy on your face trebek uh you know pat, pat sajak steve harvey on from family feud you know, you can tell that they love playing, they love hosting their games because they like the game itself. So that would be the thing. You know, you uh, followed in the footsteps, as you mentioned, of uh, Meredith Vieira, who's involved with the Friars Club, and another very famous Friar who I greatly admire over the years, Regis Philbin. And I know you appeared on Regis's long-running morning talk show, uh, what what was it like to sit alongside Regis and and what kind of a guy was Regis who of course was very involved with the Friars for many years here in New York? Uh, I mean Regis is just you know like like you think of him he was just the best you know like he was a really kind gregarious personality very personable very you know great memory he remembered little things about you when he saw you. Uh, you know, love to, love a good laugh, loves a good conversation. Uh, just you know, just a person that seems to really embrace life in an easy kind of you know swing your umbrella kind of way, man. Just kind of walk and walk and talk and kick you know kick a rock or two, pick up a flower, enjoy the roses while you walk in life. That's that's what Regis gives you, man. He's just kind of a good dude, and uh, you know it was always fun to go on his show or be with him. I mean, right, he had a, they shot it down in Puerto Rico one year. We went down there and hung out and just, you know, laughed, got some dinner. Just a good dude, man. Like, uh, uh, yeah, we just lovable. 
Now, before we wrap up, Cedric, and uh, this has been just a great pleasure talking with you, I want to talk a little bit about your show, The Neighborhood. It just recently renewed for a sixth season, so congratulations are in order. Now, what is the uh, challenge that you find in leading a sitcom as funny as this one? And uh, what challenges uh, did you face in taping the show during the pandemic? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing is very is a blessing to one to have a show, uh, you know, a multicam sitcom going into its sixth season. These are things that are uh, pretty rare in our business nowadays. So I didn't, you know, let people know that that this is, you know, we cross a hundred episodes this season. These are things that are pretty rare, and so, you know, I think that you know, for me, it is, you know, keeping the, the staff and the crew motivated by. You know, making sure that we are, you know, coming to work with a degree of joy and respect for each other. And we try to make sure that we're making people laugh, uh, you know, from uh, week to week with the show. You know, the biggest challenge that we had in the pandemic is that we were an old school show that recorded with an audience. And so we would have an audience there. And, of course, with, uh, with the COVID pandemic, that, you know, all of that was shut down. We had to be very careful, of course, when people leave work and kind of go into their own individual environments that they didn't come back and effectively cause a spread of, uh, of the virus amongst, you know, the cast and crew. So these were things we had to be, you know, everybody had to be on their P's and Q's and respectful to the others. And, you know, because some people, of course, you know, didn't have, uh, you know, the belief in it or, you know, didn't, you know, thought it was a hoax. And so... You know, they may go into a crowd of people and then come back the next day or oh, well, we're about to go to work and they, you know, they've contracted the virus and now we got to shut the, the, the set down. And so it's those kind of things that were always a challenge. But, you know, from the leadership point of view, you know, I just ask that everybody be respectful for their teammates and knew that, you know, a lot of people depended on these jobs to go to work. So you're, you know, you're kind of independent uh, you know, denial of what, you know, what everybody else is dealing with would be unfair if you would truly, you know, did that and then came here and affected everybody because you, you know, infected everybody because you just didn't believe. So, you know, uh, I think people, you know, took that in for granted. So we wore the mask, we covered up, and we, we got through it. We worked through those episodes bit by bit with uh, very little incident. And uh, believe me, the quality uh, certainly uh, held up uh, for uh, all five seasons. And it, it, it's it's a great show. It really is a funny show. And I highly recommend anybody watch it on CBS uh, Mondays, 8, 7 Central. You can also stream it on Paramount+. Plus. A final question before I let you go, Cedric. Why do you think the Friars continues to capture the imagination of people both inside and outside of a show business? Well, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, the idea that you have such a a great legacy. I mean, you know, we named so many, so many wonderful comedians that are part of it, uh, that their brands, the Billy Crystals, the, you know, um, Robin Williams, you know, all, all, you know, people who, uh, you know, kind of, you look at them as icons, you look at their, uh, uh, you know, their participation in this world of entertainment and know that that is, that status. And, you know, you know, and, and that, Inside that prize club is this this membership of belonging to something that's bigger and got legacy to it, and you know it's like a Hall of Fame club, if you will. So you know it's it, it's something that I think is going to always be important. And of course, 
the organization itself, you know, tries to do good work and uh and it's just more than just uh you know, again, more than just being uh, you know, in the in crowd. It's it's being a part of the it crowd, if you will. Cedric, it's an honor to have you in the Friars Hall of Fame, and I can't thank you enough for making time for me today on the Friars Club podcast, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck with the neighborhood on CBS, Monday nights, 8, 7 Central, and you can stream it on Paramount+. Plus. Cedric, thank you so much. Uh, you're a legend, and uh, I greatly appreciate your time. All right, Joe. Thank you, man. appreciate you, brother. Later. Thanks for listening to the Friars Club Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on the Friars Club, please visit FriarsClub.com. We hope to see you there.